Man, it's good to see everybody. How are you guys doing? If you love Jesus, would you give him a hand? Come on. Woo. You know, the last several times we've been here, we've just like blown in and blown out. We, but this time we, we had a lot of appointments and things we needed to do. And so we got to spend a little bit of time in Fort Smith. And man, it has just pulled on my heart. You know, just being around here, it's just, man, and just seeing so many uh, amazing faces around this place. Uh, 14 years ago, for those of you that don't know, Brooke and I and Brandon and Jess, Stephen Dixon is somewhere wandering around the building, and uh, we, we packed up our U-Hauls and Penske trucks, and we moved to Fort Smith, uh, and we were like, we're going to start a church, and we just hope somebody comes, and for a while they didn't, and uh, so... And that was 14 years ago. I was just thinking about all those, all those times that we shared. And then about two and a half years ago, Brooke and I and our family moved to Little Rock to pastor our New Life Church Little Rock campus there. And Brandon and Jess took over as pastors here. Don't you love these guys? It's just been amazing. And I, I think over the last 14 years, you need to think, when did God put me in this story? Like, what was the year, and why did he write me into the story of his bride and what he is doing in the world? Because you're just not here to just to take up place, uh, space and just have a place to come land on Sundays now and then. God's given you gifts and talents and abilities to expand the kingdom of heaven and see souls saved. We saw some people baptized in the first service and then have fun together. Can I tell you my favorite Brandon Cotton story of all time? Y'all want to hear it? This, I think this was before we built this facility. We were in service, and Brandon was over here playing on these red keys. But back then, when we didn't have enough musicians or somebody didn't show up, we had a laptop, and Brandon could just put in the instrument that we needed to play. He would just hit it, and it would get into the song. Well, one day, Brandon, uh, he left, and he went to do whatever worship pastors do uh, after they get off stage, and I'm preaching. And Brandon went to call his bride, Jessica, except when he called her, it went through the laptop and through the sound system and it started ringing right in the middle of a very anointed message, by the way. And so, I, and then I didn't know what was happening. I was going, what is going on? Somebody's phone's going through the system. Well, Brandon could hear it from wherever he's at and he just, and he just clicked uh, off on the phone. But then Jessica, being the loyal wife she is, called him back in the return call. So I knew something was going through the laptop. I went over here to the laptop and I didn't know this, but they have their names saved in their phones as secret lover. And so I go up to the laptop and I said, I don't know what's going on, but secret lover is calling Brandon Cotton right now. And right when I said it, Brandon was walking in the back of the building. And so we had to suspend him for a little bit. Amen. But it has been some of the greatest times of our lives is being here, sharing our life and sharing some laughs and fun with you. It's been amazing. And what I'm going to teach you today comes out of us planting our lives here, our lives here. And these are the two, two of the biggest seasons God took me to this passage to go through. Tra traumatic seasons where we needed God to move. And it's in 1 Samuel 30. And I want y'all to move there because we're going to talk about David. David 
takes up a lot of ground all throughout the Bible in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Paul would refer to David uh, in the book of Acts. You see so much of the Old Testament. David wrote uh, almost all of the Psalms. There's a few of them he did not write because he's a warrior and he was also a poet. He was a multifaceted individual. Uh, David, other than Psalms, takes up 62 chapters in the Bible are about his life. And I'll tell you why. Is because David was just a normal, ordinary guy. I, I love when I read about David because he was messed up, jacked up in every way. He made major mistakes. If you're taking notes, he, has, he made more recorded mistakes than anyone else in the Bible. He also sought the Lord more recorded times than anyone else in the Bible. How can you make so many mistakes and be known as a man after God's own heart? Because let me tell you something, when David would fail, he was quick to seek the Lord again and again and again. It was the key to his maturity. It was the key to his success. And it's the key to yours as well. And everybody said, amen. You're not going to be perfect. Point at an imperfect person you know right now. Just point at them. I see a few. All right. All right. Listen, you're not going to be perfect. Nobody in this room is perfect. We don't even let perfect people attend church here very long. We kick them out. All right. But here's the key to your success. It's not perfection. It's being a man or a woman after the heart of God. That when I fail and, and, and when I, I drop the ball, I just keep returning to the Lord and say, God, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore to me your fellowship. Amen. In 1 Samuel 30, David, this is a key passage in his life. This is, he's not yet king. I think this is the last test he passes before God makes him king. You're going to have to pass this test. His family has been kidnapped. He, uh, David began to run from King Saul. King Saul is the first king of Israel. He loved David for a little bit, liked him for a little bit. Then he got jealous and started throwing spears at him and plotting to kill him. David began to run from Saul. He ends up in the land of the Philistines. Okay, right track with me for a second and we'll dive into this. The Philistines are the sworn enemy of Israel. I mean, the Philistines are a picture of Satan coming against the Christian's life. That's, that is the picture of them in the Old Testament. Uh, David flees to the Philistines and tries to sign up for their army and fight for them. So in this kind of season of a uh, dual loyalties by David, like he's got one foot that he loves Israel, another one he's trying to fight for the Philistines, he has a, he's living really a double life and double standards. Let me just tell you this. Anytime you live a double life in any way and double standards, it leaves the people around your life vulnerable to an attack of the enemy. Now, you can lie to yourself and say, this ain't hurting anybody. This leaves your life vulnerable to an attack of the enemy. The people you love the most are unprotected when you live a double life. And while David is trying to fight for the Philistines, they kick him out. Okay? They said, no, we don't, we don't believe in you. You can't. You shouldn't be fighting for us. It's like a Razorback trying to play for the LSU Tigers. Come on. All right. So they said, you can't do that. So David, on his way back, his family gets kidnapped while he is traveling back to a town called Ziklag that he was in. Now, let's dive in the Word, and I'm going to show you the test that he passed. Three days later, 
when David and his men arrived home from their town of Ziklag, would y'all say that in the name of that town when we went through two, three? Ziklag. Come on, class. One, two, three. Ziklag. Circle that in your notes. They found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. So what do you think when David's traveling? What is he seeing in the air? He's seeing what? Smoke in the distance. And he's going, something has happened my wife is there. The kids are there. This, this town has been burnt to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. It's just a kidnapping. Let me just pause. They're probably going to sell them all into slavery is what they're going to do. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. You, you ever been there in life yet? He was like, I, I've been crying so long, I don't have any more tears. They cried themselves out of tears. David, two wives, Ahinoam and, from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. David was, and watch this, y'all got it, here's the plot. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. Woo, Ziklag, if you're taking notes, write it down. The town, the name of the town in Hebrew means pressed down. It's just pressed down. You ever grown up in a, in a small town, you go back to that small town, you're just like, man, there's like oppression back in this town. Raise your hand if you grew up in town. You go back to it, you're just like, it's just, they should rename it Ziklag. I grew up in Louisiana. There's Ziklags all over the place, and they all have a piggly wiggly. Y'all know what I'm saying? All right, so it's just Ziklag. It's just pressed down. It's just, uh, Austin told me this. We went to this little town by a river we were staying at. We were walking through the town. He said, man, people around here walk around like zombies. And then I started watching people, and they did. They were just kind of, they're just kind of walking around like this. And then Sonic is the same way. They're just kind of walking. And he nicknamed the town Zombie Land. And then he was just saying, he told me, he's like, why do people walk around like zombies? I'll tell you why. That's a people that's pressed down. Their dreams are pressed down. Maybe their finances are pressed down. Their relationships are pressed down. Every, this is what it means to be, in, be pressed down. Everything is hard. Would you write that down? You're going to have seasons in your life where you go, nothing is easy right now. Raising the kids, not easy. Or the grandkids, it's just not going easy. Work is not going easy. My, my physical health, nothing is easy right now. That's the ziklag season of life. Where with David, nothing was really working. And then he lands on the thing that literally helps him in his life to pass the test. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. So I'm gonna, we're going to dive into that. I'm going to show you two things David didn't do. Like when, when you are in a fight and it just feels like everything is hard right now, what do I do? There's two things he didn't do that I think most people do. And then there's three things that he did do to encourage himself in the Lord. If you get this, it'll change your life for the rest of your life. As a matter of fact, you'll see it. You'll know exactly what to do when things are going hard. But actually, I want you to zero in to the exact scope that David had to have. He had to get his family back. They're kidnapped. All of his best friends, their wives and kids are kidnapped. And he's like, I got to get my kids back. What do I do to get them back? That's what he did. Okay, let me tell you two things. Number one, don't ignore it. When you're fighting for your family, you're fighting for your marriage, your kids, don't ignore that there is a problem. 
The families have been taken hostage. They've been kidnapped. David did not ignore it. This is a problem in the church. Because I'll bump into somebody, I'll go, are you doing okay? They're like, oh yeah, we're doing great. <laughs> amazing. I literally had a guy last week goes, amazing. I went, your wife sent me over here because she said you're doing terrible. Oh, he's like, well, we're kind of solid. No, you're crumbling. Like if you, you talk to an unbeliever, you're like, how are you doing? They will tell you exactly how they're doing. They're like, terrible. I, mean, I hate everything about my life. Christians just like, we're doing wonderful. Because I think what we think is if we just ignore it, things will change. If we just ignore problem, things will get better. But I'm going to tell you, the people who are free in this world and they're walking in freedom with Jesus Christ, they have stopped ignoring that there are problems. Amen? David said in Psalm 32, watch this. There was a time I wouldn't admit my sin. He's not getting real with God about literally anything. He's just ignoring. He's hiding. Watch, watch what happens. But my dishonesty made me miserable and filled my days with frustration. Do you see the two emotions here? What did it make him first? What did it make him? Do y'all see the verse? It made him what? Miserable. And then it filled his days with what? One, two, three, with frustration. When you ignore any problem, there's going to be an underlying emotion just like, man, I'm just frustrated. I'm just on edge. I'm just miserable because I'm ignoring it. Have you ever hurt yourself so bad you didn't want to look at it? You ever hurt yourself like that? Like, uh, Brandon, me and Brandon, when we were remodeling this building, Jeremiah Mitchell was a part of it, I thought we could save money by building our own sound panels. Y'all see the sound panels on the wall? So I'm just like, well, well, they cost a lot of money. We could just order the material and we could build them ourselves. Except Brandon and I are not carpenters at all. But I'm like, how hard can it be? Surely it's on YouTube. So we went, we ordered all the materials. They come to the church. And then I went and rented a nail gun. And late one evening, we're putting this all together. Brandon and I are talking. And I went, boom. And I shot a nail through this finger all the way through my middle finger that I use a lot. And then it stuck right there into my third finger. It stuck right there. And as soon as I did it, I don't, here was my reaction. I just went, oh, and I put it under my shirt. And they said, did you just shoot a nail through your finger? And I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. And they're like, can we see it? Nope, let's not look at it. And I went to the back kitchen. I just went all the way down and went to the kitchen. I don't, there was this tendency. Maybe it'll get better. Maybe it's not that bad. Brandon said, listen to me. You have adrenaline flowing through your body right now. It is about to turn into pain in a matter of seconds. I said, okay. They grabbed a pair of pliers and took that nail and ripped it like a man. I took it and then I passed out. And then but this is what we do with the big problems in our life. You're just like, oh, I don't know. I'm just ignoring it. You can't do it. You can't do that. So here's my question to you. What are you pretending to not know that right here you know? Maybe your kids are messing around with drugs and you're pretending to not see it. Maybe your marriage is dying and you're acting like it's not happening. Maybe some people that you love the most, the spirit of this world, culture has kidnapped them and has taken them 50 miles away from their walk with the Lord. It is like it's holding their faith hostage, their heart for God hostage. You can't pretend like it's not happening. What happens when you don't? You're miserable. You're frustrated. Here's the next thing. Don't run from it. 
Don't run, don't ignore your problems and don't run from your problems. Psalms 55, six and eight says this. I wish I had wings like a dove. I'd fly. This is honest emotions, right? I'd fly away and find some rest. How many of you have ever went through problems and you just went, I wish I could go to Cancun, you know? It's like you just, you just get online and start dreaming about, just, I just want to leave. I just need, I just need, I can't tell you how many times I've called Bram, like, I got to get out of here. I just got to get out. What, what's going on? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I just, this is a natural something inside of us. It just says, I just want to fly away. Watch what he said. I'd flee to some refuge from all this storm. There's something in us that just doesn't want to face the problem that we're going through. I, I just, I would flee to some refuge. You know that it is in us to do that. I think it's our sinful nature. But when we get lost and we get nervous, do you know that humans are the only animal species that pick up their pace when they're lost? Every other species that's an animal on this earth, when it's lost, it just, it gets still. It starts using all of its senses. You know what humans do? They go, oh, I don't know where to go. Let's go faster. That's what we do. And that's why all of the doors in this building, they open outward. You want to know why? When people panic, they run. They move faster. Satan knows that about you. You can't solve a problem running from it at the same time. When you think of the armor of God and everything that it covers, there's one thing that the armor of God in Ephesians 6 does not cover. You know what it is? It's your back. Because God wants you to stand your ground and go, I'm standing, now I'm looking at the problem, and I'm staring it down, and I'm going to be immovable. And everybody said, amen. There's a lot of ways that you can escape and run from a problem. You can get into drugs, you can get into alcohol, you can get into pornography, you can have sexual relationships, you can eat a tub of chocolate ice cream at night and watch season seven of Gilmore Girls. Praise God. And you can just forget. And if you're a man in here and you've watched season seven, we forgive you, but come back to Jesus in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can just veg out or you can up your workload. There's a lot of things that you can do. You can add another hobby, but you're just running. Listen to me. And it's just like going to Disney World. You wait two and a half hours to get on a ride that lasts three minutes. And when you get off of that ride, you're right there where you were standing when you got on. You can run from a problem for three months, six months, or a year. But guess what? You're right there. When you get your head out of the sand, you go, I still got to face it. Amen? So here's David. Let's go back to the story. He's coming into Ziklag, back into it, place it's pressed down. They can see the smoke rising up on the horizon. And verse 6, this is what it says. I mentioned it. Chapter 30, verse 6, it says, But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Would you read that verse with me? You guys ready? One, two, three. But David, all right, class, let's start back. All right, let's go. One, two, three. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. This is a, listen, this is him passing a major test. There's going to be times in your life where you're not going to be surrounded by 20 people that are going to help you. There's some, there's going to be a couple of two or three or four times in your life where it's just you and God. And you've got to know how to encourage yourself in the Lord. How did he do that? It starts in verse, verse seven. All right, here's the first point. Number one, we're going to do it just like the Bible does it. Bring me the ephod. That's what you got to say. 
Bring me, not my iPad, all right? Uh, not my iPhone, not my earbuds. Bring me the ephod. I'm going to tell you this. The ephod, would you put that verse up there, verse 7? I'll read it. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. The ephod, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It was the priest's garments. This, this is so bizarre to me. David is dressed in military garb, okay? And he comes to Ziklag and realizes, track with me, everybody's kidnapped. And the first thing that he does is he goes, bring me a change of clothes. Now, if I would have been next to David, I would have said, hey, you're, you're already dressed how you need to be dressed. I mean, like, you're in military garb. We got to go rescue some people being held hostage. This is irrational to me, right? Like, we need to go fight some people. Why are you putting on these clothes? David knew something. He goes, before I fight in the natural, I got to get dressed in the spiritual first. I got to get alone with me and God. So he's like, the clothes that I'm wearing are not sufficient for the battle I'm facing. So he's like, bring me some spiritual clothes because before I fight in the flesh, I've got to fight in a spiritual realm. Bring me the ephod. Here's my question. Have you ever been somewhere where you are highly underdressed for the occasion? Has that ever happened to you? You, you walk in, you're like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know I'm going to kill somebody. That's happened to me several times because I was raised in Louisiana and went to public school. And so I, I remember one time, it was, it was our daughter, Ashen. It was her sixth grade blessing over here at the Lutheran school. Brooke's talking to me all week. She's like, all right, we had sixth grade blessing. It's going to be at this time. I'm like, I'll be there. We had baseball practice, and I'm out on the field coaching. I got T-shirt, shorts on. I got my baseball shoes on. I'm coaching. I'm sweating. I get a text, sixth grade blessing. I'm like, I'll be there. I get done with practice, load the equipment. I pull right up into the school, walk in in my T-shirt and my shorts, and I walk in, and all the students are in suits, and the students are in dresses, and the men are in sports coats, and it is an event, and Brooke is decked out, and, a meet, and I can't even get out of this meeting, and I'm sitting there, and I go, oh, I'm underdressed, and I could feel shame just come over me from my head to my toes. Then I looked at my wife, Brooke, and I could feel fear when we locked eyes come over me from my head to the chest. And I sat down with my hairy legs showing and I'm sitting there going, I am underdressed. Listen to me. When you're in the fight of your life, are you underdressed? Are you underdressed for that fight? Because who you are as a businessman isn't good enough when you're in a spiritual fight. You could be dressed like a doctor and you could be dressed like a lawyer. You could be dressed like a teacher. You could be dressed like a coach. You could be dressed like a mom or a dad. But when you're fighting for people you love, you got to say, bring me the ephod. What does that mean? It's time for us to get in a spiritual mindset around this house. Like we're going to get closer to God. How are we going to do it? This is how Isaiah says to do it in Isaiah 61. This is what he says. Put on a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. Guess what? You get to make a decision. All right, we can sit here and talk about the problem. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to start worshiping God. And everybody said in 2015 that you were diagnosed 
Brooke was diagnosed with cancer. We walked through that as a congregation. When she was diagnosed, this is when God gave me 1 Samuel 30. Bring me the ephod. And we're just like, we are not even being dressed like a pastor. Those are not sufficient clothes for us to walk through this season. So we would have one room in the house would have worship going 24 hours a day. Another room would have the Bible going 24 hours a day. It was on repeat. People go, well, that seems weird. Good. I like being weird. You know, being normal is ruining our country. All right. So, so we were just, we, we just had worship and we had word. We had to get, we had to get spiritually dressed for the occasion. Amen. If you don't know what this looks like, go to Walmart at 1030 tonight. All right? And just watch how people are dressed at 1030. Walmart, right here on Rogers Avenue. Raise your hand if you've been there. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've been one of those weirdly dressed people. I've seen some of you in there. You got your PJs on with no shoes and barefooted. Stop it. Amen. You got to get dressed. I'm putting on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. This is why you'll see me. I lift my hands. Why do I lift my hands? Well, maybe that was the denomination he grew up in. No, sometimes I got to reach for God like a child reaches for a mom or, or his dad and they're just reach. God, I got to have you. We got to get closer right now. The second thing is you inquire of the Lord. This isn't a soft little prayer. This isn't a whisper. He said, bring me the ephod. He put on spiritual clothes and then... Before David made his own strategy, this is so good. He knew that God had a strategy. And this is what it says. Let me get here. In 1 Samuel, this is going to start over in verse 8. It says, therefore David inquired of the Lord. Underline that in your Bibles. This is a, that word inquired is a strong Hebrew word. And he said, okay, now watch this. David had a plan in the back of his mind, because we all do this. I know men do this, and I know mamas do this. They get a plan of how this needs to work out right here. But David goes, before I execute my plan, I want to ask God and inquire of him of his plan. This is where we get it wrong. We make our plans and ask God to bless them. When if you would just do God's plans, they're blessed. So he goes, I'm going to inquire of the Lord. Now watch, God has a different plan. He says, you shall not go up. Because <laughs> he knew you want to go up. You shall not go up. Circle around behind them and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. Thank God he inquired of the Lord. God gave him the right strategy to victory. How many of you believe he's got that for you too? you got to inquire. This is a strong word. The Hebrew word is sha'al. Y'all say that with me. One, two, three. Sha'al. Say it again. Sha'al. Turn to your neighbor. I need everybody to do it. 100%. Turn to your neighbor and say, would you please? Sha'al. Tell them. Would you please? Not shut up. Just say, would you please? Sha'al. All right. Now listen to me. This is what it means. Sha'al means to beg. To require an answer. To be pushy. <laughs> I like this. To earnestly desire. See, there, there's one thing to have your prayer list. You're like, oh God, I just pray for my kids, bless them today, and just help them when they're driving, just help them at school, help Aunt Susie, her cat is not doing well. That's all right. Listen, when you're at Ziklag, you got to throw that out. This is what it sounds like when you inquire the Lord. God, it. If you don't show up, I'm going to die. 
If you don't tell me what to do, we're going to blow our family up right now. I'm at a loss, God. I don't want to go one more step without you. It is critical, Lord. We must have you right now. Sometimes Sha'al just sounds like this. Please, God. Like, I'm at a loss, but I'm just calling on the name of the Lord. Please show up. Please show me something. You see the difference? This is where he's at. And you know what God does? God goes, okay, I'm going to give you a plan that's totally against your natural tendencies. What you've always done in the past is not going to work today. Woo! Brooke will do this when we're raising kids. We'll be praying for one of them. Brooke goes, why don't you do this, Marcus? I'm like, no, that's not what we do. She goes, because the Holy Spirit will give her, a, give her an idea. And they work every time. And I'm telling you, this gave David confidence. It reminds me of this in the 1800s, this British captain, he was in his ship and one of the guys up in the crow's nest, he hollered out, he goes, Captain! He goes, yes. He said, I see a warship approaching. And the captain turns, he goes, Lieutenant, run to my quarters and grab my red shirt. And I want to wear, wear my red shirt for battle. And the lieutenant goes, why the red shirt? He said, because if I'm wounded in battle and I begin to bleed, those around me will not see the blood. It'll blend in and they'll all fight with courage. He says, okay. Then the guy in the crow's nest, he hollers down. He goes, Captain, it wasn't one warship, it's 10. And then, he, and then the captain looked at the lieutenant. He said, grab my brown pants while you're down there. Amen. All right. <laughs> that, that's... That's funny. I don't care who you. All right. He, you, you got to know this. Every time I've been through a season that I needed to hear from God, somebody was hollering their opinion at me and it would bring fear every time. When you inquire of the Lord and then you know what to do, you have confidence because the next thing you do is stop playing defense and start playing offense. I want you to write it down just like this, okay? This is the third thing that you do. Go recover what you have lost. Go recover it. This is, I think this is one of the biggest weaknesses I see right now in the body of Christ. We are not action-oriented enough. We sit back and wait and just think that God is going to just bring everything to us that we need. Wouldn't it be great if he goes, my family's been kidnapped. God goes, oh, don't worry. I'm going to have some angels and they're going to swoop down, put them in their wings and fly them back to you. That's not how any of this happens. When there's a broken relationship in your life and you go, they have been held hostage by the world. This is what you do. You put on spiritual clothes. You inquire of the Lord. What are you doing? I'm waiting on his timing and his tone and his word. And then you set out and you go, now I got to get a fire in my gut and get moving forward. Watch what David does. First Samuel chapter 30. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. What? <laughs> Listen to this. How long is this? I don't know. This dude's got some energy. You know what he's doing? <clears throat> he's emptying the tank. Not a man of them escaped. <laughs> this is funny. Except 400 young men. 
In, in the Hebrew, it's Generation Z. 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. And I'll tell you exactly how this happened. The battle started, and the old guys are fighting, and the young guys didn't want to die, so they stole the old men's camels and ran off in them. And so they fled. So David, oh, this is so good. David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. God, isn't God good? And David rescued his two wives, and nothing of theirs was nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. Look at this. Can we say that last part together? David recovered all. Just say, close your eyes and say that to yourself just for a second. David recovered all. He didn't have to rationalize it. He didn't have to just think, you know what? Some things happen and it'll never be the same. David recovered all. Sometimes you got to go. There's some things that you got to do. Maybe there's a text you got to send. In the first service we were talking about this, there was a guy right here. He has a bad relationship with somebody in his family. Somebody very dear for him and they have not talked in a while. He walked right up the, the aisle and he goes, I'm going after him. I sent a text right there when you were praying over me. I'm going after them. Some things in life are not a boomerang. They don't just come back to you. Some things in life, you gotta, if you're going to ever have it in your life again, you got to go after it. You got to have a spirit of faith and go, I'm going to recover. And it could, I'm going to recover that. It could be a relationship between a grandparent and a grandkid, a father and a son, a mother and a daughter. It could be a husband and a wife. You hadn't been in the same room in months and months and months. God goes, let's recover this. What have you lost that needs to be recovered? Now, maybe you've lost your innocence or your dignity. Do you know what David would go? I know what that's like. All of his mistakes were headline news for us to read. Sometimes in life, your mistakes get all out there because of social media and everything else. And you're just like, how will I ever recover? He goes, God's going to give you a plan. You move forward. God has a restoring grace that's bigger than anything the enemy could ever do in your life. Do you believe that? You know, I look at some of the impossibilities that surround our extended family. And I go, I don't know how we could ever win this battle just feels like we should just make the best of it and almost just wave a white flag. But you know why I think about that like that? Because I haven't inquired of the Lord. I haven't begged God for an answer because there is no situation that we're facing that God's up there in heaven at a loss going, well, I don't know what to do either. No, he's up there going, let me tell you exactly what to do. Now move forward and go recover all. Amen.